finding your voice in the boardroom. While landing a position as a non-executive director may be difficult enough in itself, more mysterious still can be how to find your voice in the boardroom. Many directors often worry that when they begin their board career, they won't make the impact that they want or that they would expect. Particularly women and directors from minority backgrounds find it hard to find their voice in the boardroom. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. In this episode, I'm delighted to talk with Orna Nichiona about finding your voice in the boardroom. Thank you so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series, Orna. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. You are in an enviable position. You have this fantastic portfolio of board roles and serve on the boards of admirable companies like Burberry, Saga, Founders Intelligence. Can you recall the early days when you joined the first board? Yes, it was quite some time ago now and I joined the Bank of Ireland UK board and Northern Foods and then soon after that I joined the board of Bupa. These boards all had some amazing people on them. But far less was demanded of board members than nowadays, and there was less transparency. We roll our eyes at the amount of regulation that we're all required to comply with now. But actually, alongside all the regulation, there have been a lot of changes for the better, making companies more accountable, more uh, more transparent, which is important. It does create an uneven playing field between private and public companies, But that's a subject perhaps for another day. Can you recall the first time when you felt that your voice was heard and you had a real impact? Well, you ask about having a real impact. And actually, one of the frustrating things and subtle things about being a board member is that your impact is likely to be cumulative and incremental rather than making a big impression with a dramatic insight every time you open your mouth. In a way, you have impact when your executive colleagues or all of your colleagues know that you are likely to ask questions even before you ask the questions, which makes them think of the questions you might ask. Mm. And I think I started to become effective when I worked out how to ask constructive questions rather than looking for the answers. And that took a little while because of my background, but it does for many people. So the ex-consultants such as myself may start thinking about what the data tells them and what the fact tells them, rather than what question will move the discussion forward. And at the other extreme, the former chief executive or line manager may struggle with asking questions at all because they're used to telling people what Mm. to do. So asking the constructive question, that's the heart of it. That's when you start to have a real impact. Can you give our listeners some examples? Well, the obvious thing is perhaps don't ask a question to which the answer is yes or no, (laughs) because that won't open the discussion up. It might just shut it down. So ask for colour around something. For example, how might competitors respond to this proposed move by us? That's likely to get the executive talking in the round about how they're thinking about competitors and give you insight into how they think about competitors. Or ask them, is there any specific competitor about whom you are particularly concerned? That sort of question that enables them to answer in the round without feeling threatened, without it being a trick question. But often the simple questions are, 
the best. At Northern Foods many years ago, and I had been on the board quite just a few months, we had a lot of businesses in the portfolio and at the time a lovely but rather inexperienced chairman. And the team brought yet another acquisition to us, which would allegedly make our small confectionery business stronger. And they expected it to be waved through because the sums of money were small. But I asked the obvious question about why this moved us forward on our strategy, uh, which was to focus on our core businesses. And nobody had asked the question before, and since it couldn't be answered, we unanimously turned down the acquisition to the amazement of the CEO. Now, that's a very simple case, but there are always simple questions to ask, and the greatest value of a board member still lies probably in asking the basic, even silly question, and not being embarrassed to do so because sometimes that silly question won't have been asked yet, and so it wasn't silly at all. What do you think has helped you to find your voice in the boardroom? Or maybe who has helped you to find your voice in the boardroom? Well, practice helps, of course. Listening to who else is effective and why is a huge uh, source of tips for how to get confident. Encouragement from strong, talented chairmen and colleagues, that makes it much easier. I said chairman, I've never had a chairwoman yet, though I have worked with a lot of female CEOs. One big area that can be a huge help is the evaluation of board. This used to be vague with no specifics given to individuals, even if they asked. That's changing and on the best boards now, there is explicit review of each individual each year, as it should be. That's what's going on throughout the rest of the organisation. So if that had been in place when I started off, I think I would have built my confidence much faster. Yeah, I have to say, I couldn't agree more, Orna. I mean, part of the evaluations we do are, of course, providing individual directors with an individualized report. And it's really yeah. helping everyone to understand how to be more impactful in the boardroom and make the greatest contribution to the collective. It makes a huge difference. Well, it must do. And yet there has been an almost gentlemanly agreement that everybody is great and therefore no feedback is required or or feedback just in the most general sense of you're doing very well. It's a pleasure to have you on the board. We really need to get much, much more explicit there. It's for the benefit of all and nobody should be embarrassed. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Can you give our listeners some practical tips? How do you make your voice heard in the boardroom? Something that they can take away and start to practice. Yes, one tip is to speak up and speak up early, even if it's only to agree with a colleague, just to get used to the sound of your own voice, as it were. You don't have to say something totally original, but you do need to participate. But you won't be effective unless you're confident. So the second tip would be to ask for real feedback from the chair. Don't wait the year. Ask for your first few meetings. And Of course, it's easy to feel confident or easier to feel confident about your area of specific expertise, and you should use that lens to talk about things. But you can be just as valuable outside your area of expertise by being curious and asking the basic questions. One thing as well, which is outside the boardroom, but which I have found absolutely invaluable, is to get involved with the networks of people 
that exist in various formats. They've all changed with COVID in the past six months, but they used to be run by consulting firms and headhunters, breakfasts and lunches and dinners. Those are so well worth attending because you will find people to talk to who will tell you their horror stories or their stories of great success and you can share yours with those you trust. It's a fantastic way to give yourself the confidence that you are part of a group of non-executive directors who have a right and a duty to say what they think in the boardroom in a constructive way. Well, there might be some people who think now, well, there is our overall board. Can I, as an individual, really make a difference? So what do you think? How can an individual help make a board stronger and better? To have a better board, you need people who join that board to have enough experience to know what good looks like. Along with the energy and determination to make that board better if it's not very good. And although boards are held to account far better than they were 15 years ago, there are still a lot of boards out there that could be better. It may be that the composition is wrong, lots of talented and experienced individuals, but too similar in their experience. Or it may be that some of the individuals do not take their role seriously and are happy to spend a few hours skimming the board papers, a few hours attending, make one or two comments, and that's it until the next board. Or it may even be that the chair doesn't have what it takes to be a good chair, as the skills that are involved in being a chair are very different from those of a CEO. Yet in the past, many chairs had been former CEOs. That is changing. So if you're on a board that has one of those flaws, i.e. that is not as good as it should be, with the wrong composition or uncommitted individuals, or even a chair who's not effective, you should act. You should not just sail along taking the money and being grateful that the executive directors seem to be doing a good job, despite the decorative or even disruptive role of the board. When you say you should act, in what way should you act? Well, the biggest tool in helping you act is to have a system of feedback that can highlight some of the issues. Many boards still don't have that feedback, as I mentioned earlier, and the feedback may be too superficial. So one action is to insist on rigorous evaluation. I know I'm beginning to sound like an advertisement for your organisation, Sabine, <laughs> but it is so important to have rigorous evaluation with questions that force people to reflect on whether things could be better. And even though companies like yours can do a great job, you can go quite a long way even without professional support. So you do need the will to demand that good feedback. Mm. But Sometimes you don't even need that to see the issues. And if the issues are known, and if the chair is not addressing them at pace, it's time to involve the SID. Or if you're the SID, it's time to put a rocket under the chair. And in extreme cases, the board should actually move the chair on. Now, that's not as difficult as people seem to think. It doesn't need to be noisy or dramatic. Calm conversations are always the best approach. And people fear change. They may think better the devil you know than the devil you don't. But in the end, every company deserves a great board. And as part of a board, you're there to deliver that. So those are the ways in which you should act. People can say now, oh, it's easy for her to say so because you have earned a lot of respect by being on the board of all these fantastic companies. And with this experience comes, of course, a certain degree of freedom. How do you call out these days behavior that you regard as inappropriate in the boardroom? 
It's a freedom that I think should be used carefully because an organisation is actually a delicate thing and a board is a surprisingly delicate thing. After all, getting the right group of people together to form an atmosphere that is challenging but supportive is, is not an easy task and keeping them all at the top of their game is not an easy task. Someone said recently in a discussion just yesterday that a board is a teaching environment. And I think that's a very powerful idea. And making it clear that you regard it as a teaching environment in which you are looking for ways for it to be even better can help give you the confidence to raise issues and call out behaviour. I think the bull in the china shop is rarely the best approach for that. But you should call out bad behaviour either in the meeting itself in extreme cases or immediately afterwards, tell the chair that he or she needs to address what was said or what was done and make it clear that you expect that to happen quickly. Or tell the SID if it's something that the chair did or didn't do well. So again, I come back to this. Every company deserves a great board. And if they don't have a great board, that affects the performance of the company, which will have an impact on all of its stakeholders. So have the courage to call out bad behaviour or bad things. You will feel the better for it. And people will think you're stronger, not weaker for having done so. You know, a lot of things have changed. You mentioned, of course, COVID. In the past, it was easy. You sat in one room, you left together. It was easy to grab each other and have a little side conversation in the hallway or whilst you break for lunch. How can you do this in the new environment where we are all sitting in front of a laptop and we are on Zoom, on Team, on Skype? Do you have any good tips how people can do this? Sabine, you have highlighted one of the most depressing things about the past six months. And I'm not sure I have the answer yet. I know that we are losing a lot by all being on serried ranks on Zoom meetings with no chance to have those side conversations, no chance to build two-way trust between individuals, to discuss each other's welfare, each other's families, little bits of personal information. It removes something very powerful, that social glue that helps people be brave. And I haven't got an answer. I do know one of the simplest examples of a board giving each other strength. If I'm in a board meeting and the person beside me is saying things that I don't agree with and I catch the eye of someone sitting opposite me, we don't even have to roll our eyes for that person and myself to sense that we agree that we don't like what the person beside us is saying. So if one of us says so, we know the other person will have our back, as it were. It gives us courage. And we may not even realise that that's what's going on when we then call out the person with whom we don't agree. Politely, of course. You can't do that on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So somebody says something, you have no idea from the expressions that you dimly see lined up in front of everyone whether anyone else agrees with you. So you need much more courage and that's more difficult. I haven't yet got an answer to it. I do encourage courage <laughs> so that people will remain straight and not believe that everyone agrees with something that has been said 
just because everyone else was on mute at the time and thought that they were the only one who disagreed. Courage, always important on a board. Well, thank you so much, Anna. Now, before we end, what are the three things that listeners should take away from this podcast? I think the three things I would say is be curious and confident. Ask the open-ended constructive questions that enable others to express a view. That's the first thing. And that is the difference between being a bland board member and being an interesting, good board member. The second point would be thinking beyond your own confidence. Every company deserves a great board, so demand more of yourself and of your board. Reflect on whether the board is coasting along, floating on top of the company, as it were, or whether it's engaged at the right level with the executive directors and creating a culture of support and challenge in which the biggest issues and opportunities are addressed at the right pace and with the right resource. And third tip really is to act if that is not the case. You don't need to be dramatic. You don't need to scream and shout. Just start the steps that can lead to change by having conversations with your colleague, with the chair, with the SID. Don't be part of the problem. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much, Orna. I can only encourage everyone to listen to this podcast, Finding Your Voice in the Boardroom. Thank you so much, Orna, for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. Sabina, it has been a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. How can we help you and your board? We love to hear from you. Get in touch if you would like to hear more about our evidence-based solutions for all board evaluations, internal or fully facilitated external. Or if you would like that we cover a specific topic in one of our next episodes. We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us on info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening.